From rolling dice and drawing cards to solving puzzles and opening locks. For beginners who are new to games, as well as experienced players who want something new. Let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is game night. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of Friday is Game Night. In this episode, Move Over Monopoly, we'll be talking about the wide world of games outside the traditional games most of us grew up with. We'll talk about the best games to introduce newbies to, we'll review the game Manicdotes, give our monthly escape room update, and talk about our favorite games right now. But first, Greg, tell everyone what Friday is Game Night is and a little bit more about our hosts. Friday is Game Night is a monthly podcast coming to you for the first Friday of the month to share our love of games with you. We're two game lovers who host our own weekly game night every Friday, and we wanted to share that love with you. We'll be bringing ideas beyond just board games and giving you fresh new ideas for taking your love of games outside of the average game night, taking the board out of board games. So uh, a little background about myself and my gaming history. Mm -hmm. I was born with the dice in my hand. (laughs) Well, A D20 or... (laughs) You know, you got to start small with a D4. And then you, you know, level up, level up. <laughs> Actually, no, it's, I was probably born more with an NES controller in my hand. <laughs> the, the cable was the umbilical cord, you know, that's how mm-hmm. it is. Um, I've been a gamer my whole life. I did do a lot of video gaming. And some of that even transitioned over into board gaming. One of my favorite ones on the PlayStation 2 was the Risk game mm-hmm. that I could play. Because you can't get too many people want to play that all the time. And we'll discuss things like that later. Uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I've been gaming since uh, I can remember. In fact, uh, my gaming goes so much into my history that even educationally, gaming helped me learn the states and their capitals for third grade when I had to learn that for school. <laughs> I got where on the USA is Carmen San Diego, the board game. Uh, yes. And it helped me a lot. I was like, oh, I remember this. Bismarck has pancakes, you know. (laughs) Well, I'm relatively new to gaming as opposed to you. Before I started dating you three years ago, I really thought the games began and ended with Monopoly and Clue. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. I I played some PC and console games, um, but that wasn't what you would call a gamer by any means, aside from perhaps my love of The Sims. Which is a simulation, I've not a game. I've seen your sim collection when we first started dating mm-hmm. a couple years ago. I saw. I was like, wow. <laughs> I did not know anyone had this many of them. <laughs> um, but now that we've started dating, not only have I been awoken to this world of gaming, but my own game collection has definitely grown. I'm such a bad influence. You are a bad influence. Um, so now I'm always down for some munchkin or ticket to ride, which is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I am, and I have to admit an escape room junkie. Oh yes. (laughs) But you got me into that. Yes. We started doing that a little over a year ago. I took you for Valentine's day one year. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, you've been kind of, well, you actually, you wanted to do these ones that were more like the zombie rooms. Well, I didn't know they were down here. The only one Mm -hmm. I heard about was one that was in like Seattle. Where it's an escape room with a zombie in the room, and yeah. he's slowly coming to get you. Uh huh. But yeah, so I introduced you to our first escape room, and since then we have become quite the escape room fanatics. Oh yes, very much so. <laughs> but now we're you know we're bringing all all kinds of gaming and all kinds of social gaming to this podcast. Yeah, all different ways that a group of people can get together of any range of ages mm-hmm. and have a good time. Yeah, even families. Yeah. Those people that you're forced to hang out with because they're related to you by chromosomes. (laughs) And we should also say that this is not our first go at podcasting. We also host um, another podcast that comes out bi-weekly, and it's called Movie Date Night. Movie Date Night! (laughs) Where we um, essentially show each other movies that our partner has never seen before and see if they like the movie as much as we do. 
I'm still looking to get that one that you will love. Undeniably, <laughs> haven't found it yet, but we have a good time either way. <laughs> but let's get started talking about games, because that's what we're here for. Yes, we are here to talk about games, so move over, Monopoly. It's time to get started. <laughs> So for our main topic today, we wanted to talk about the wide world of gaming outside of the traditional games we grew up with. As I mentioned, you know, before I met Greg, I really thought games kind of began and ended with Monopoly and Clue and Sorry and Scrabble, which is, you know, not really a board game, but a game. Battleship. Maybe. Battleship. Yeah, Battleship. And when I started dating you, I realized that there were so many more games and mm -hmm. so many more new games and games constantly coming out. I didn't realize that there were new games constantly coming out. Um, so I thought, you know, we'd take this time to really talk about what is out there outside of just those traditional games and why is it people like me don't know about them? Okay, well, I think one of the reasons why, because you said when we were growing up, mm -hmm. it seemed like Monopoly was thing you yeah know? and i think that also is a matter of how old we are you know we're just getting into our 30s now so we uh -huh. were born in mid 80s and it wasn't until 1995 that we had a major shift in the gaming scene because mm -hmm. before that a lot of the games that were in america where we were born and raised uh were very much centered upon the idea of winner take all mm -hmm. it's much like one person can win this game Whoever has the best dice rolls can win this game. Whoever has the best, you know, uh, strategy to approach this can get it. But, like, that's it. You know? uh -huh. And it's very egocentric and strict by the rules. Everything was laid out exactly how it was. Like uh -huh. with Monopoly, you know, only one person can win that game. And if you want to make any kind of a deal, all the cards in the back say, here's how much you can sell this for. Here's how much you can mortgage your railroad for. Uh -huh. Whatever. But it wasn't until 1995 when the European game Settlers of Catan which is the major, you know, worldwide phenomenon that most uh -huh. people I think have heard of yeah. uh, came to the States. Now, we, are, we actually don't own that one, though. We don't own that We've one, We've played no. it once, right? Yeah. Yes. We've played it once or twice. It's just, I have so many. Yeah, we like, have so many. Uh, <laughs> I kind of feel shame that I don't I have it. I feel in a way, like, just from what I've kind of seen in gaming, mm -hmm. I feel like Settlers of Catan is very much like a, oh, yeah, Settlers of Catan, whereas now there's so many more, too. Like, that's... I'm almost feeling like Settlers of Contain is becoming older news now. Well, yeah. And I mean, the thing about it is it's also kind of, I think, when you remix it with various themes. Like uh, Monopoly. How many Monopolies? There's yeah. a Simpsons Monopoly, but a Firefly the, the Monopoly. The thing with um, Monopoly is they do all these different themes, but it's literally just a slap of a theme onto the board. The game, exactly. The game itself does not change. Exactly. And I mean, I, Catan... And that's not enough of an expansion for me. Catan's had a little bit of that, too. They do uh -huh. have a Star Trek Catan, you know, things like that. So, But um, I think the thing that with Catan that made the difference was, A, there's no rolling dice to move. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the games, like Monopoly, like Clue, you mentioned, you know, even Sorry, you roll into dice to see how far you go and what uh -huh. your pretty much your only option is. Yeah. You know, so pretty much your entire game is based upon how well can I roll a six. Uh-huh. You know, but here there is none of that. And there's also a lot of chance involved in those games. Yeah, there is dice rolling, but it's to help you gain resources as you try to build your uh -huh. your colony settlement on this island. Mm -hmm. But the other thing I think that was really important to Catan's success is the fact that it had open negotiation trading. In this game, you can trade resources, like I'll trade you three wood for two sheep or whatever. And there's no strict um, ratio of what trades for what 
I'm allowed to enter into open negotiations with you and use my personal charisma and diplomacy abilities to convince you to make this deal. And that puts a whole new dynamic on it because now mm. it's just not how you're playing. It's who you're playing with. Yeah. I, one of the things that I kind of was reading about is one of the differences in modern games is they allow us to think strategically or creatively mm-hmm. rather than focus on dexterity or chance. Yeah. You know, what my dice is going to roll, what the card is I'm going to get. There's still elements of that in there. But, you know, no matter what your dice roll is, no matter what your card pull is, if you can figure out how to make it work to your best advantage you're still gonna exactly it's a puzzle that you can solve Mm -hmm. if you come at it from the right way it's not just fate's fate with dice rolling yeah i mean it's kind of like um one of our favorites and probably one of the most popular games right now ticket to ride Mm -hmm. it's not just based on you know yes you are at somewhat victim to whatever cards come up but it's also about the strategies you take. Yeah, and we'll get more into that later. But like you said, with Ticket to Ride, even that gives you chance. Do you mm-hmm. want to just take a chance with blind pulls? Or do you want to take the options that are in front of you that you can actively choose from? Uh-huh. You know, So it does give you the sense of choice. And that when you lose the game, it's not just, oh... You know, it was kind of mathematically improbable for me to win from the beginning. Uh It's just, okay, I made a few bad choices and that's how I got Mm -hmm. there. Or winning, you know, like it wasn't just I was fated to win. It's I made the right calls at the right time. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's a good feeling for a lot of people who take victory. Would you also say that a lot of the older games that we're talking about, um, there was a lot of games where someone was eliminated? I was going to say that too. And yeah. that doesn't really happen anymore. A, a problem with a lot of these older games like uh, Monopoly or even Risk is that it's all about last man standing. You can mm-hmm. eliminate players and then they just don't even have anything to do anymore. You uh-huh. know? Some games do have something for eliminated players to do, like kind of like audience participation almost. But it's, it's really annoying. And it, I know people out there have played this where you have two friends who are still playing And you're like, I'm just going to go watch TV or something while you guys hash this out. Because watching people play a game is not as fun as playing it yourself. Uh Unless you're like really hardcore into games. Yeah, or like (laughs) unless this has like been such a long thing, you're like, they're going to be done in half an hour. I'll watch this Uh out. But if you get eliminated quick, forget it. Mm -hmm. You know, you might as well just go do something else. The only game I can think of that we currently have that's somewhat player elimination is Oregon Trail. (laughs) <laughs> well, but that's also a cooperative thing, but still it is a play elimination. Yeah. And it sucks when the very first time we played that, the very first <laughs> card I pulled is I died of dysentery and there's not a thing you can do about it. And it's like, oh, like, yeah. We're, oh, okay. So like literally I open the package, pull the first card. Oh, so I lose. Yeah. <laughs> But would you say Settlers of Catan kind of started that um, European invasion? I think it's two things. Mm-hmm. I think it's that. That big ship that it came in on, you know, the uh-huh. of Settlers of Catan. And then also in 95, we have the, not the advent, but the increasing availability of the internet. Uh-huh. Which would allow people not only to find out about new games they had not heard of before. Mm-hmm. So people were discovering Catan. And a few other games that were out at that time. But also they were able to find places where people were getting together to play. Uh And just like any kind of a new movement or group, the more people you can get together, the stronger that group becomes. Mm -hmm. You know, and then the more it'll spread throughout the uh, throughout the country, the county, state, whatever, until yeah. it eventually gets a worldwide. Yeah, game. I think the internet really played a huge role in this shift. I mean, obviously you have the shift of the European games coming in, 
But then the availability, you know, Target's actually getting a lot better, but stores like Target and those places, the games that they used to have were very limited. They were oh, yeah. very much the kids' games that were focused on dexterity and mm-hmm. um, learning rules or taking turns or, you know, like yeah, those like learning games. Some of them are just basically like Kennyland. What color is this? You get to move to that color now. Yeah, know. exactly. Shoots and ladders or something. Yeah. You know, very basic. Um, now, of course, Target's getting on the bandwagon as well. And I mean, Target even sells Cards Against Humanity. But I think, you know, the rise of the online stores, be it Amazon or be it your smaller retailers, that's definitely helped the progression of games. I think that was like, to put it into like an analogy, if you don't mind, that was like the second stage boost of the rockets. Mm -hmm. You know, like the initial launch is, like I said, the um, internet in 95 and Settlers Catan. But then what you're talking about with like major retailers like Target or Toys R Us taking uh-huh. over, that's like the second stage that like kicks you off into outer space. Yeah, in a way, I think the online retail would be the second stage. And then I think the Targets and those brick and mortar stores yeah. catching on, that's the result. Yeah, exactly. Is they're going, oh my God, this is a huge thing. Like, I let's need to get, get on this. On. Yeah. yeah. I looked up in 2016, a UK research group reported a 20% rise during the year of sales in tabletop games, including card games and dice games and war games, um, the kind played with miniatures, and role-playing titles such as Dungeons and Dragons. So that's a pretty big boost. 20%, 20%, that's 20%, a percent. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think, was just in the UK. Yeah, and that's insane. Yeah, and they you know? and even people said they thought that that, that was um, kind of a conservative number. Mm-hmm. So it would be stupid for real, retailers like Target so not to be on that. this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Cards Against Humanity, really, I think that's another one that's really changed the face of gaming as well, bringing it to a much wider audience. Oh, yeah. And then also, I think the availability and the constant stream of new games that are coming out, mm-hmm. I can't help but feel that things like Kickstarter and um, different ways to crowdsource funding also has that to helps, do with that. That helps in terms of getting the little guy a chance uh-huh. to get his awesome idea out. You know Exactly. All these people have great ideas, but they might not necessarily work for the big companies. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I didn't do any research into this. This, what mm-hmm. I'm about to say, is my personal idea or theory. So if it's wrong, then that's, you know, <laughs> my opinion. But uh-huh. if you look at a company like Hasbro, Mm-hmm. which, you know, is known for making games. I forget which ones they do, but they're one of the common ones, you know, uh-huh. like uh, like uh, Operation or something like that. Uh-huh. You know? It's, you know, it, it's tempting to say once you get that one idea, you just stick with it. Like, they have so many iterations of Operation. Yeah. And then also, you got to figure, there's only so many people working in the company. Mm-hmm. There's only so many ideas floating around. Yeah. And it's hard-pressed to force someone to say, like, Come up with a new idea by Friday. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. then they're going to come up with something that's similar but not radically different from what they've been working uh-huh. with. So, I, I mean, not that that's a bad thing, but it's just when you then have something with Kickstarter where you have, you know, this dude over here or this girl who, like, she has this amazing idea for a new game that's never been tried before, but I don't have any money to get this off the ground. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden you can put this out there, you can pitch to the entire world, essentially, mm-hmm. and say, who wants to give this a try? And then a dollar here, 20 bucks there, then all of a sudden now she's in business. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, it's a good way for people, you know, you see something that you really want and you're like, you know what, I will pitch in to get this thing made. Yeah. You know? I mean, I've contributed a few of them myself, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's not just board games. I mean, movies have even been made this way. Yeah, the Veronica Mars movie, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. It was like, I love this thing. I will happily help finance it to be a thing. Yeah. You know? Shut up and take my money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, then also, you know, the types of gamings available 
has really changed. Um, I never, before we met, had ever played a cooperative game before. Yeah, that's another big part. I remember specifically in high school, I had this girlfriend that I really wanted to get into gaming, but mm -hmm. the only games I had were competitive ones, where one player wins and all the other players lose. And the problem is that she didn't know how to play these games. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to try to get into something when you know you're going to fail. Yeah. When you know you're not going to win, when you know that you're going to suck at it. Yeah, you know? I think that's uh, some people have a fear because they fear that they're not doing well or they don't understand. They fear being the weakest link. Exactly. You don't want to be the, the sick one in the herd that gets picked off immediately. You yeah, know? but with cooperative games, we all win together or we all lose together. Yeah, and so, I mean, even in those competitive games, there will naturally be the whole season player holding your hand and like okay i'll yeah. walk you through the first game but then you mm -hmm. kind of feel like an invalid almost like yeah you don't have to like hold my hand this much but it's one of those like you're not there is no weakest link i mean yes you could be the weakest link but because we're all working together everyone's working together towards a common goal mm -hmm. yeah and that i think is also a big reason why board games themselves have given rise because whether you're whatever game you're playing there's going to be some mechanic or some skill that can transfer to another game uh -huh. that's very similar, you know? So then it acts like a bridge, like a mm -hmm. gateway game almost, yeah. you know? So maybe I get you hooked on this cooperative game of, like, Pandemic. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, that was fun because we were working together. And, like, oh, if you like that, maybe you try Risk because it's kind of like the world thing, but then we're fighting each other. And it's like, oh, that's interesting, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you can kind of build off of it like that. But I think definitely the idea of bringing in people who don't like confrontation even, mm -hmm. you know, being able to bring them into the fold and get them interested. Uh -huh, even yeah. if you just stick to cooperative games, that's more people playing. Yeah. And I think cooperative games, you know, we all have our own unique talents and ways of looking at things. And so when you bring everyone together, you all strategize together and you come up with, you know, some very creative ways to do things that solve problems. Exactly. Um, for instance, we were playing um, a newer game the other day, um, The Big Book of Madness. Mm -hmm. And we Great literally game. thought we had lost. You yeah. know, we were getting ready to pack it up. And suddenly we realized, oh, There's I, one way there out was of one way out of it. And if we played it exactly in a certain order, we would win. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it was definitely a group effort to realize that and to all work together to achieve that goal. And it's, like I said, it's one of those ones where everyone can bring something to it. Mm -hmm. Even if you're a new person to the game, you might have that stroke of genius or, like, you know, you see something that no one else did. Uh -huh. And like, hey, what if we do this? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, it's that constant, you know, what if. What if we do this? What if it's also about suggestions? Um, so I guess you could say that we've had the rise of cooperative and the fall of player elimination, sort of. That's a big shift mm -hmm. in the games. I think one other thing that does make a difference is the number of players mm -hmm. as well. Because a lot of games, like the older ones that you mentioned, you know, um, they only go up to so many players. Yeah, you know? for sure. Off the top of my head, I think, I know... Clue goes up to six. Mm -hmm. I think Monopoly goes up to six too. And then, you know, like other ones like Battleship is only two. Yeah. Candyland is only like four, you know. But even then, like, I think it goes both ways. Not only the more players you can get, but also if you can't get a lot of players. You know, for me, one of the reasons that we didn't play a lot of games in my house is although my mom and I liked games, my dad did not. Yeah, and playing and with just two people. there weren't a lot of games that we could just play together. Yeah. Other than card games, you know, and, you know two-person solitaire and things like that. Gin exactly. Rummy. <laughs> and there's a lot of good two-player games out there, but yeah. when you play with just the same person, True. eventually you just like, okay, we've been through this before. You know? <laughs> but I think that the idea of creating games that scale well from two players all the way up to X number of players, uh -huh. with X being greater than four or six, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm having a big, 
group of friends over, you know, like for like a 4th of July party that we just had recently, you know. I want to be able to have all of them included. Yeah. Not just, I'm going to go grab my five favorite, my chosen few, uh-huh. my inner circle, and yeah. then go play over here. No, I want everyone in this. You yeah, know? And, and for it to be flexible so that if one person really doesn't want to play, they can say no, but you can't be like, well, we can only play six people, so who's going to sit out? You know, yeah. it's it, it's kind of like the, that you don't have to play, but if you want to, you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And having games where that is an option mm-hmm. does help. You know, like there's been times where we've been having a game night and we were playing something like Ticket to Ride that only goes up to five. Uh-huh. And then another friend shows up and then we're like, OK, well, we'll put this away. And then we have another game that we can play mm-hmm. that does more people. And then if more people show up, they can just jump in. Yeah. And know? even like you mentioned our Fourth of July thing, we were playing Munchkin and the version of Munchkin we had, it was we had a couple too many people, but we just mixed in another expansion we had so that we'd have enough cards. And then we were cool. And then we were good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it, it went seamlessly and it didn't matter that we had more than, you know, kind of the recommended number yeah. for that expansion. Um, also with, um, the rise of internet and, you know, obviously we talked about how retail, it changed the face of retail, mm-hmm. but it also changed the face of the community, I would say. Oh yes. And now you have a lot of, you have like websites like Board Game Geek, where if you like board games, you can go on these websites and there's forms and forms. There's places where people trade games. There's people where, mm-hmm. you know, if you like a certain type of game, whatever you like, there's a place for you. And then there's also, you know, these online, um, like YouTube, where you can go to like Dice Tower and learn how to play the game if you're not really good at reading rules and figuring it out. Because mm-hmm. sometimes even like you're kind of our rules guru. You read the rule book and then tell us. And yet then you always complain to me, well, you didn't tell us about this in the rules, Greg. Well, then you well, read it. You've also gotten, I think we played um, Ticket to Ride wrong the first couple times. Because... Okay, but you know, <laughs> um, I was trying to read the French version. And I didn't, I was rusty. <laughs> you missed something in translation. I did. Um, and then also you have, you know, like, uh, we're both big fans of Will Wheaton's Tabletop. And they actually have something called the Tabletop Effect, mm-hmm. which is if he has, um, talks about a game in one of his episodes, that game immediately becomes unavailable in all the different stories. You know what? That's true. Yeah. I know for a fact, he I forget which game it was, but I know for a fact that he played a game. It was like early on in his mm-hmm. series. And I said to myself, that looks amazing. I'm going to go buy that today. Uh-huh. I went down to my local game store and could not find it. Mm-hmm. And I asked them, like, where is this game? I, I think it was Gloom off the top of my head, but I don't recall exactly. Uh-huh. Um and they said, like, oh, you mean the one that was on tabletop? Yeah, that's gone. <laughs> and I was like, wow. And I even saw this was like a small kind of like mom and pop uh-huh. place. They even had like a little section of like shelf that just had like a little tabletop like section, <laughs> yeah. you know. And it's like like as seen on, you know. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I was like, and, you know what? That makes sense. And tabletop in a way is a great way to bring people into kind of that because he features different celebrities oh, yeah. playing the game. So some people who might see a tabletop episode might not be coming for tabletop or for Will Wheaton, but be coming for that celebrity. Yeah. Like I'm sure, I think one of the first episodes I ever watched was one where Grace Helbig and Hannah Hart were on it. Mm-hmm. And those are two YouTubers I follow. So that was my in to yeah. tabletop. Well, the very first episode had Grant Emhar, one of the Mythbusters mm-hmm. on there. So 
So like, how great yeah. is that? Like, if you like MythBusters, what's this? Grant, my favorite MythBusters, or one yeah. of them. Yeah. Or here? you know, they had what an episode with um, Rhett and Link. Rhett and Link yeah. easily have Big millions, millions of YouTube followers. So people are going to come and see what are Rhett and Link doing. Rhett and Link, and then, and then two other guys at the table. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> and they kind of have all sorts of different walks. They have TV people, online people. They have writers even. Yeah, they have lots of different people show up on that show. Um, so it definitely does a lot for games. But aside from, you know, we talked about 95 was when Settlers of Catan came out and started changing the face of board gaming. Mm -hmm. Just in the last couple of years, we've had, like we said, in 2016, a 20% growth in games. So what, you know, what other than, what do you think people are being drawn to back to games for? Is it the different types of games that are now available? Is it the communities? Is it something else? I think I think a I think it's a combination. I don't mm -hmm. think it's one thing you can point to. I think it is a community. There's a good sense of community there. Uh, I think also, honestly, I think the hipster movement helps it. Mm -hmm. I think the idea of like I'm I've been in a board game since I can remember, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> you know, since bef when when they were cool more than back when they were cool again. You know, I honestly I think that helps. You know, yeah, but and, also and geek chic. Yeah, but know? also yeah, definitely geek chic. But also I think, you know, kind of the good thing about hipsters is kind of wanting to go back to um, something not, I don't even want to say traditional because that sounds wrong, but wanting to go back to like the older technologies mm -hmm. and, you know, that let, let's have a social interaction away from our phones exactly. or our computers yeah. and let's have something where we, you know, we can all sit down and play this game. Um, I think, you know, there's that maybe a need with all of the technology to have that face-to-face -face interaction that a board yeah, game. Yeah, to unplug for even half an hour. Uh -huh. And then let's just like sit here, have like some food or drinks while we're doing this maybe, and just roll dice, play cards, and laugh. Yeah, and it's it's something tactical that you can hold. You know, you have these pieces, you hold them. Um, also, I think for social interaction, you know, it's especially if you're awkward in social interaction, which yeah. many of us are nowadays because of the internet. Oh, yeah. Um, it gives you something, you know, you don't have to make small talk. The game is your social conversation. That's true. And your small talk can be about what should my next move be? Yeah, it's a built-in social platform. Yeah, exactly. To work it's off conversations of. that are there just ready to be plucked off the tree mm -hmm. of, you know, like, what can we talk about? And know? it's a good way to get to know people because oh, yeah. I think it, you know, it helps it brings out people's sense of humor. Yeah. It brings out... This last um, tabletop day, which is a kind of unofficial holiday that takes place every, in June. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, every uh, year. June? No. Wasn't it June? No, it was before that. May? Maybe. I don't remember. That takes place in, insert date here, um, <laughs> you know, every year. I think uh, we went to this uh, store, SGC uh, Games and Comics, and we met some people. Just Yeah, we had strangers. never been there before. And you know what? They were like, what is this game? Sit down. I'll tell you about this game, <laughs> yeah, sir. Yeah, we played several games with people we'd never met before. Miss, are you you look like you're interested in this game. Do you want to come learn how to be Jack the Ripper? Come on <laughs> over here. We'll play Letters from Whitechapel yes. together. Yes. Unfortunately, they discovered that you never play Letters of Whitechapel with me as Jack. Oh, yeah, because you're like a fox. You keep doubling back <laughs> upon yourself. You're like, I'm just going to go in circles for an hour. <laughs> we'll definitely be talking about that game more in the future, I'm sure. Yeah. Also, I think, you know, one of the differences between board games and, say, video games, which we both like video games. You play oh, yeah. them more than I do. Oh, yeah. Um, I have kind of my set video games that I like to play, and mm -hmm. I don't really stray too far from that, mainly time constraints. Mm -hmm. But board games are different every time you play them. Yeah. With, you know, like, say I'm playing Assassin's Creed, that 
enemy is going to come at me pretty much the same way every time, no matter yeah. how many times. There's going to be a little it. bit of variation, but yeah. very little though. And and here's the thing: even in multiplayer games like uh, Street Fighter or Smash Up, where like you're going against another person, you know, there's still kind of the same strategies uh-huh. that come up every time, yeah. you know. And the other problem with video games is that once again, there's a limited number of people that can play it at once, mm-hmm. and the rest of you are just spectators. Yeah, you know, Assassin's Creed is a single player game. There is multiplayer, but those people are single players in their house uh-huh. playing with you online. You know, mm-hmm. it's very hard to get a good game that everyone in the room can sit down and watch the TV and play with. Yeah, you know? and I've also heard a lot of frustration with multiplayer online games where the trolls take over yeah. and people are jerks. Oh, yeah. And, you know, whereas in a board game, people are face-to-face, there's less likely to have that happen. And the other problem with uh, video games, in my opinion, and I know this from experience because I once tried to get my dad into it, mm-hmm. you know, because he, he, he was watching me play shooters, like first-person shooters like Halo, Back in like the early 2000s, you know. And he said, that's interesting. I want to try. But it's a very okay. steep learning curve to learn how to independently manipulate your thumbs and all your fingers for the different controls. Uh-huh. It's really hard to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. And that can be very discouraging once I, as I said before, of I'm, I can't even turn left around this door. How mm-hmm. am I going to shoot a guy later? You know? Yeah. Meanwhile, with board games, there is no immediacy for I need to understand how this works right now. Otherwise, I'm screwed. Yeah. It's we can take our time. Mm-hmm. We'll walk you through it. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, you know, you will explain the rules to us and I'll kind of be like, okay, okay. let's start playing. Because yeah. for me, I'll, I'll learn as we play much better mm-hmm. than if you just read the rules to me. And, and like I said, with, with games, it's our board games, it's a lot more forgiving. If you do something wrong, but you don't understand, I can say, well, let's just take that back. Mm-hmm. Let's rewind the clock 30 seconds. And then you can try that uh-huh. turn again. Yeah. Game, video games, there's no doing that. I mean, there's Three games I can think of off the top of my head that literally let you rewind yeah, the clock. But, yeah, but no. most of the time it's like, you're dead, start over. Yeah, you know? sorry. <laughs> um, I also think board games are really becoming, you know, this is sort of the shift is they're becoming more inclusive where there's something for everyone. There's wide, wider appeal. Yeah, I was going to talk about this um, a little bit later, but uh, yeah, there's so many different themes mm-hmm. and and kind of interesting uh, stories being told in games, you know? Because it's not just about, I roll a dice, I get a six, I win. Woo! Like, it's not yeah. like gambling in Vegas where uh-huh. like that's what it is. It's, you know, like, oh, you're a Middle Eastern trader along the Silk Road in the 14th century. Uh-huh. Or you're a knight in outer space in, like, the 35th century trying to fight aliens that look like bugs, you know. <laughs> or you're just trying to build a railroad across America, you know. <laughs> it's it's so many different themes and there's so many different fantasies and genres that someone can latch on to. Yeah, you know? and I think, you know, gaming used to really be thought of as a boy thing. Yeah. And I think now with the versatility of games that are out there, it's no longer limited to gender, race, (laughs) any of those things. Oh, yeah, because I remember even as we were kids, there was definitely boy board games and girl board games. Mm -hmm. Girls had Pretty Pretty Princess, Mall Madness, you know, all those things. Uh Meanwhile, guys had like Shark Attack, you know, Escape the Vlava Mountain, you know, (laughs) like uh, uh, 13 Dead End Drive where you kill somebody, you know. And it's like, yeah, of course, girls could play those games and boys could play those uh-huh. games. I played a lot of Pretty Pretty Princess with my sisters. <laughs> well, you are a Pretty Pretty Princess. I was the prettiest <laughs> princess you have ever seen. <laughs> I put on all the tiaras. 
But um, yeah, I do agree. I think that now the games are trying to be much more, uh, I don't want to say gender neutral, but just not even appealing. Just inclusive. They're just inclu- yeah, yeah, inclusive is the word. Yeah, there's, there's a theme for everyone. There's the level of competitiveness that you want, mm-hmm. the level of, you know, the interaction level that you want. Like, there's something literally for everyone and yeah. every group even, I would say. I mean, if you even look at something like, because the thing about games is that people really do judge them by their covers. Mm-hmm. I know the adage is don't judge a book by its cover, but they didn't say board games, how did they? <laughs> so there's this one game, um, Arkham Horror. I can think of and I'm picturing the box in my head and uh-huh. really if, if you want listeners go just google Arkham Horror R-A-K-H-A-M Horror and just look at the box it's this kind of green box and there's these people driving away in a car with like this tentacle like monster after them and like uh-huh. one guy is like shooting a gun but then they also have a woman on there and she's got like a Tommy gun or something like just blowing away this monster <laughs> and it's like I want to be her or like that guy's pretty cool too. But it's like, oh, I want to be these people. You mm-hmm. know, it's not like the typical, oh, Tarzan standing there looking all firm and proud. And then Jane's like meekly at his feet. You know, it's <laughs> like both guys and girls are really like heroes and like mighty figures in this game. And so you're like, yeah, let's get everybody in on this. <laughs> I would say that um, it's kind of like there's this perfect storm happening. It's almost kismic. Games are getting better and better and more inclusive. And then we also have this rise in YouTube and online shopping, making it easier to find and get those games. Mm-hmm. So it's like all these things kind of happened at the same time to make this perfect golden age for yeah, board it, games. It, it's all these different... Um, circumstances fostering the perfect environment. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And thankfully that works out because we really like them. Hooray! <laughs> so since we're talking about the wide world of games, um, there's so many choices out there. Mm-hmm. And it can be a little intimidating to try to pick something you know, if you're just starting out, especially if you're starting out or someone you know is going to be starting out and you want to pull uh-huh. them in, you know. So I thought uh, I kind of narrowed down a little bit for those who are wanting to uh, start out fresh, you know, the novices. Uh-huh. So first of all, a couple things that you want to look out for mm-hmm. when you're picking a game for, as we'll call them, a novice or a newbie. A newbie, you yeah. Know? Um, I don't know, it's newbie offensive. <laughs> Noob is offensive. Noob is offensive. <laughs> There's pretty much three things. We already talked about one. You want to find a theme that you like. Mm-hmm. No one wants to play a game about the the you know hundred years war if you don't care about history. Uh-huh. You know, there, literally, there is a game about that. <laughs> Bored me to tears. Yeah, no one wants to play a game about the drought in California unless. Perhaps you live in California. Yeah. Like we do. You know, P.S. There's a game about that. We're not joking. There is. <laughs> we are not joking. You know, but I mean, like, there's a, there's, a, um, there's a game called Grid that's about building a power grid to energize a city. Great game. Fun to play. If you don't care about that theme, you're going to be checked out. Yeah, I mean, it. there's a lot of games. Like you said, great theme, great game. Not everybody's cup of tea. Exactly. So, but there's tons of themes out there. So mm-hmm. make sure you find one that just kind of grabs. It's like looking at books in a bookstore library. Yeah. Just look for that one that goes, that looks interesting and maybe a little weird. Let me pick up this game and then take a look and see. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, always turn a game over and look at the back. Yeah. <laughs> Going by the cover is great to catch your eye, but make sure you read the back and see kind of more of the elements. Because I know for me, I pick up a game and I look and I like if it has a picture of all the pieces, mm-hmm. I go too many pieces. No. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, another thing is you want to make sure that you have a game that's relatively quick mm -hmm. for beginning players, you know, because no one wants to get bogged down in like a nine hour. Yeah, it, it should be a game where the rules are easy to explain and it doesn't have too many parts to it because if you're new and you're just starting out especially if you're new to games in general yeah. that's a big no-no there you're going to be overwhelmed exactly so if you look at most boxes of the game in the bottom right corner and usually in the back as well it'll not only tell you the age range that mm -hmm. this is appropriate for like ages like eight and up or something uh -huh. how many players it'll have but usually it'll give you a time frame uh -huh. not all the time but most of the time it'll give you a time frame for how long does the typical game last mm -hmm. i'll tell you this honestly usually that's a little bit under uh, yeah uh, uh, an underestimation because we've played games that said it takes half an hour and honestly it takes 45 minutes to an hour so i would say whatever the time scope it says there add mm -hmm. another 50 percent mm -hmm. you know but then you're kind of working with what you're plus also if you're starting out new it's going to take you a little bit longer mm -hmm. but that's kind of an estimate of you know how long will this take so i would say go for something that says 30 minutes to play rather than like a three-hour epic you know yeah yeah like risk alone takes half most of that it, time to set up risk takes half an hour to set up i timed it once yeah. because it's like i pick this country lauren which country do you pick mm -hmm. i pick this country Shannon, what country do you pick? I pick this country. You know, and it's like, oh my goodness, like, yeah. can we get going, please? Um, and then also, it's it's about how long the actual game would take because you know, with Risk, I can sit there and I can mull and hem and haw over my decisions mm -hmm. all day long, and that's one thing I do that you guys hate yes, when you, I do that. You take forever turns. I do, but it's because I want to analyze. Whereas I take very fast turns. And who usually wins? Me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, maybe I should just like, you know, blindly speed chess it, you know, just go, <laughs> click, you know, hit the clock. But the other thing is, as you kind of already mentioned, simple rules. Yes. It's kind of hard to say how easy the rules are to understand. But one good indicator, as you said, look at the back of the box, see how many pieces there are. Yeah. Because for every piece that you see, that's another rule. Also, going back to kind of the quick, quick game, but also if it takes too long to explain, it's probably too complicated. Yeah. You know, some of the games that we're, we're going to kind of give you a list here in a second, some of these games literally only take a minute to tell you how to play them. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, other ones, you have to get into the, okay, but then remember this while I explain this other part here, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I love the show Firefly. Mm -hmm. It's a great show, great uh, movie that they did for it too. The game itself is fantastic, takes forever to explain how yes, to play it. I, I still like you guys tried to explain it to me once and because there's I like, was just like there's uh, literally a dozen different decks of cards that you have to lay out. Yeah. And all this. Oh, that's another side thing. Look about how much space it's gonna take up. Yeah, know? well that's yeah, that's the main thing. Like if games have, rule. if games have too many pieces or too many they look like they're gonna take up forever just to set up, mm. I'm usually gonna probably pass on them. I'm not saying those are bad games. We're just saying for someone who is a newbie, uh -huh. that will be overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. You will look at that and say, oh my goodness, what is all this? Yeah, a lot of people really love Firefly, but it's definitely yeah. not for the faint of heart. It's not a good game to introduce I, someone to. I literally tried to get my dad to play that because that would be right up his alley. Uh -huh. I set up the game. He took one look at the table and said no. <laughs> he didn't even want to hear the explanation. He's like, that's way too much. Yeah. So for someone who's new... Find something with a small amount of pieces that, you know, will not be intimidating. Uh -huh. uh, lastly, I would say try to do a cooperative game. That's always a good because way Because you people. can guide them in, but that's not necessary, mm -hmm. you know. 
But um, definitely, def- that's a good way to introduce people to like the new world of games because cooperative is something that if you're not used to games, that's probably something that you've never played before. Yeah, usually it'll say in the back if it's a cooperative game or it's not. Uh-huh. It should say in the first sentence or two of the description of the yeah. game, like this is a cooperative game about blah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. then you're fine. Yeah, or this is a game where players work together. Mm-hmm. Look for those together words. <laughs> exactly. It's unity. Yeah. You know? So, um, Greg, let's uh, give our listeners a list of some of those gateway games for those newbies. Okay, so these are my quick, I'm going to try to keep each, each one of these very brief, mm-hmm. just to show you that like it's an easy game. Because yes. as you said, if you can explain in a minute, Easy game if you can't. Exactly. Yeah. So these are games that this is a list that we drew up. Uh, They're no particular order, mind you. And we discussed these. It's not just one of our lists. We we debated. Yeah. And this is after we didn't down some, you know. But here we go. First one that's good for newbies, for new players Ticket to Ride. Uh, You are a railroad tycoon looking to establish routes across the continent by collecting different colored cards to match with the connections between cities. So New York has three blues between it and Boston. You need three blue cards. And then you lay your trains down. Uh, The more widespread you can get your railroad system, the more route tickets you'll be able to complete and claim victory. And this is one of my favorites, for sure. Boom. Done. That's the explanation right there, you know? (laughs) And the good thing about Ticket to Ride, too, is there's a lot of different like first of all trains is kind of an interesting yeah. theme but there's a lot of different maps you can do yeah and and what's i think well i think it's just brilliant um marketing wise is ticket to ride they came out you know they have the base game and then they just introduce all these different expansions and they all are played almost identically but each one has a little twist yeah each one has a different which is really yeah which is really nice because at the core, I know how to play this game. Mm-hmm. But then I just have to learn one little new rule. And each one has its own little bit, slightly different look and feel. The artwork's different. The color scheme might be slightly different. And these different rules are optional. You True. could just play the maps straight normal uh-huh. without these extra things. Yeah. Like, for example, the base game is set in the United States. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the the first expansion, I guess you call it, or sequel they had come out was set in Europe. Yeah. Where they added the idea of tunnels, mm-hmm. which is like, oh, you have to like take a chance and maybe the tunnel collapses on you. But you don't have to play with that rule. Uh-huh. You could throw that rule away and just play it like the American version. It's just a different map. So that's what's uh-huh. great about it, is that it, you have the option to make it more complex. Yeah, and Ticket to Ride's definitely up there with with it's really quick and easy to learn mm-hmm. um we actually um i have the well greg has the european expansion i have yeah. the nordic countries nordic expansion. countries and um i actually take that over um, and play with my mom a lot she's like turned into a huge ticket to ride fan in fact she's even considered getting the mobile uh phone version nice. to play on her ipad Side note, all of them are great, except the Nordic country one that only goes to three players. Yeah, that one only has a couple And it is players. the most competitive version. It can so be, yeah. So if you're doing a game for a new person or you're a new person yeah. in the games, any of them is fine, except Nordic. That mm-hmm. I would only play the Nordic one if you've played other Ticket to Rides. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the European and the American one, I think, are really good Those are the most points. base versions, yeah. 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 Especially America. Except for the tiny cards. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, <laughs> the American version, the, the colored cards that you collect mm-hmm. are half the size of a regular playing card. Yes. While in all the other versions of the game I've seen, the cards that you collect are the size of a regular, you know, 52-pack playing card. Yeah, they're find. more of a standard size. The The original ones are kind of small. They're hard for our adult hands to shuffle. Yeah, <laughs> um, okay, so the next uh, game we were going to talk about is called Dixit. 
D-I-X-I-T. I thought it'd be mm-hmm. worthy to spell that Not out. Brexit, Dixit. Yes. <laughs> this is where the Danish were exiting, right? <laughs> um, in this game, it's all about careful communication. So you have an active player, the one who's in charge of the round, and they're going to choose an illustrated picture card. And, and now the entire deck of cards in this is just beautiful picture cards, no words in them whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going to give a single verbal cue of some kind to the players about what is on the picture card and then laid face down. And then everyone else has to take a card and try to match that. Then you mix them all up and then everyone has to try to figure out which one was your, the active player's card. Now the trick is you want to be specific enough that at least one other person gets it but vague enough so that not everybody gets it. So it's all about walking that very fine line of, can I get, like Lawrence, psychic connection here. Know that when I go <laughs> ding, ding, I mean that it looks like it's dinner time, not that there's an actual bell in the picture, you know? Mm. And I would say I haven't played um, Dixit before because you used to have a copy, but you actually gave it to your um, I gave sister. it to my sister and my yeah, nieces. Yeah, and so I never got to play it. But we've played a lot of games that were almost inspired by Dixit mm-hmm. that kind of take it to another level. But Dixit's kind of a more, from what I've heard, is more of a basic one that's good for the in to introduce someone to whereas you know one of the games that we play that's very much like dixit is mysterium but that's a lot more advanced yeah mysterium uh is like a combination between this and clue where you're trying to solve a murder Uh who what and it's but like sometimes it can be very vague and it can be very difficult yeah because you don't get to talk in mysterium yeah and also the person who's giving out the cards doesn't change it's that one person the entire time while in dixit after i do my round it then goes to you to be that person who decides which card Uh you know so i also say dixit has many different versions and they all have a different uh featured artist okay so if you are looking for dixit you know um definitely look around and like see kind of they're all equally fun, mm-hmm. but maybe one art style will strike you more than the others. As, uh-huh. ooh, that's a beautiful one. I liked it, this one, you know. So definitely worth checking out, though. But if you only see one in the store, that's perfectly fine. But mm-hmm. just know that there's more. that you, And they can all mix together, too. So that's the beautiful thing about it. The next one we have is called Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> now, this is the one I'm going to say has an R rating to it. Yes, it is not a family-friendly. Not for children. Yes. Unlike this podcast, this game is not for everyone. They use words such as bleep, 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 and bleep. <laughs> so it's it's bad. Um, like it's a fun game. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it's just not for kids. I, and it's not for it's not everyone's cup of tea. Not for kids. Not for family members who would not appreciate such words being said. Mm-hmm. But once again, this is played in rounds where the active player, mm-hmm. whose turn it is, will take a single card that is posing a question of some kind or has a statement with a blank in it, puts it down, and then everyone else has to anonymously put into the pool in front of them their response or their filling in the blank of their uh, answer with another card. They mix them up and they pick one of those that they like the most. Mm-hmm. And whoever had that card, they get the point. Mm-hmm. And usually there's a thing about you keep that question card in front of you to keep track of the mm-hmm. points. You know, It's a really fun game. Uh, really, really funny too. All sorts of expansions. You yes. Know? Oh, yes. And we actually have all of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's one of those games where it's kind of the go-to 
for a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's become a standard party game for adults. Mm -hmm. um, it's become really popular in colleges. Like, Cards Against Humanity was one that came out that kind of, once again, shifted the tide a little bit. Yeah. Um, it. I mean, it literally became a huge phenomenon that has sold so much. And it's inspired a lot of games. You know, there's other games. That, that whole idea of being that person who decides who the winner is based on, and it can be based on a lot of things. It could be based on what the card they find the funniest the one that they think makes the most grammatical sense, oh. the one that makes the most logical sense. Yeah. I mean, usually it's the one they find the funniest. But there's, it's whatever you choose for whatever reason. Yeah, and it's inspired a lot of other games, um, not only in its play style, I think, but also in its sense of humor. Oh, yeah. Um, you've got card games like Super Fight that um, we've played. That's very similar to Cards Against Humanity. That's very similar where you're actually forming an impromptu superhero of sorts yeah. to enter into yeah. a battle royale and, or whatever. And that contest. would be another good one to introduce newbies to. Um, the only thing with that one is um, sometimes some of the subject matter is very geeky. And I know for myself, sometimes I'm like, I don't know what this means. But <laughs> at the same time, it is family friendly unless you get the X-rated um, yeah, expansion. A, yeah, there's specific expansions. But that, that expansion tells you on its face, this is for adults only. Yeah. Um, some other ones, I guess, Exploding Kittens. That's another uh -huh. one that it kind of borrows off this crude humor. Yeah, yeah. And there's been a lot of games since. Um, another one that we like is Red Flags, which is made by the same people who did Super Fight, actually. Mm -hmm. And that one's all about... Um, and it's best with played with friends where you're essentially making dates for one another. And yeah, you're trying you, to be a matchmaker. You get almost. to like sabotage the person next to you and put in something that you think your friend who's picking will really hate. For example, if I have in front of me, oh, he's a millionaire. He loves all the same music you do. But then Lauren plays some horrible card of me like, but he always smells like fried, nasty, greasy food. You know? <laughs> And you're like, oh, I don't know. That was, yeah. first two things were great, but the last thing is not so much. Yeah, you know? and it's, that's why it's really good played with friends because you kind of know, like, my friend would hate this particular yeah. thing or yeah. they would love this particular thing. Um, one side note I want to go back to real quick. Ticket to Ride goes uh, up to five players normally. Meanwhile, Dixon and Cards Against Humanity, no limits. Yeah, the more the merrier. So, Although we have played it. We've played with a Cards Against group. Humanity once with a really huge group, and it did not go well because it was just too many people. Well, it's like I'm I'm the active player, and all of a sudden I have like 10 cards in front of me. Yeah. It's like, oh, my goodness. Exactly. And but, collecting them was a nightmare. But you know what? It's still enjoyable. It's just, <laughs> you know, you'll find your own limit yeah. of how much you can handle. <laughs> but still. Okay, next game. Uh, we have Forbidden Island. This is a two to four player game. It's a cooperative one. And that's the only cooperative one on our list. Yes. Uh, in which you are explorers on a remote, mysterious island trying to collect clues and obtain four elemental artifacts and escape in your helicopter all while the island is slowly sinking in the ocean and trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. So players have different abilities to help them navigate around the island, shore up sinking areas to make sure it doesn't disappear forever, and um, stay the rising tides before they all drown. Mm -hmm. And the, the weird thing about this game, first of all that I like, is there is no board. Uh -huh. It's separate tiles that make the board. And because of that, you can shift them up and the game is never the same twice. Yeah, exactly. The tiles always fall kind of in different places. So, like, unless you purposely choose to, it's never going to be the exact same layout. Uh-huh. So you might get lucky and, oh, the helipad is right next to this temple that I need to visit. Or next time it's, oh, they're really far apart. You know? Uh-huh, yeah. And sometimes, you know, especially if, like, the helipad is out on the side and it gets detached 
You're like, oh no. You know, like that happens. We had a player actually get stuck once on a tile. <laughs> like on turn three, of, he gets yeah, stuck. Yeah, and so we all had to like work around him being stuck. Yeah, that was fun. And he was supposed to be the guy that's supposed to be fixing the island. I know. So he's like, well, I'm just going to sit here and do nothing there. Right <laughs> but that's the rare example, yeah. though. That's the rare case. But it was still amusing enough uh-huh. to mention worth. But yeah, the fun thing about this game is, like I said, it's cooperative. So it's we all succeed together or we all fail together. Yeah, and we all use one another's strengths. And we, you know, we all will plan out, okay, I'm here. You have more cards in this particular element, but I have like the last one you need. If I come to you. If you come to me or or we'll figure out, oh, you know, we need to switch these, but this person over here can get me to you mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's all about working together. And this game, it's it may sound like a lot what we're talking about, but it's just a simple deck of cards. It's yeah. tiles you lay out and then little figurines to... To move, move around. around the board. Yeah, and, the, That's and your pretty movements much are very simple. That's as well. pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is um all of the cards that you do pull tell you exactly what they do. Yeah. So it's no there's no guesswork needed. It, yeah. And you I only need to look at the rules every now and then just say, how many cards do we start with again? I can never Yeah, that. because we have so many games we always forget how many cards we start with. <laughs> but uh the fun thing about this game for those who haven't played such cooperative games is usually how cooperative games work is there's one way to win but multiple ways to lose. Mm-hmm. So in this one, you know, if the helipad is completely sunk, then... You can't get off the island. You can't get off the island, you lose. If one of the uh, jewels uh, sinks before you grab it, you lose. If uh-huh. one of your players drowns, you lose, you know. Yeah. So it's it's a lot of, oh my goodness, we're just being attacked from all sides, but can we get out of this in time, you know? <laughs> it's, so, a good, it's a good starter game for... Um, cooperative you know there's other yeah. like we talked about possibly pandemic but we felt like pandemic was maybe that has a, little a lot too more to it yeah and then even um forbidden island it has its um kind of sequel game mm-hmm. forbidden desert but that one is exponentially harder and more difficult so that's why we didn't pick that one yeah this is a good starting one yeah yeah um the next one we have is tokaido mm-hmm. uh which is a five player game two to five player game and in this, players are travelers along the Tokaido Road, which connects Edo to Kyoto in Japan, along the uh, seacoast there. And you're competing to have the most enjoyable vacation ever. <laughs> During your four-day travel, uh, you'll visit local shrines and shopping districts. You'll meet fellow travelers on their journey, paint beautiful landscapes, bathe in hot springs. Maybe there'll be monkeys there. <laughs> My favorite. And you'll end each day having a delicious meal. At one of the fabulous inns that mm-hmm. I don't think have star ratings because this is supposed to be feudal Japan. <laughs> but it's got a really beautiful art style to yeah, it. Yeah, it's a really pretty game. Um, and one thing that I like in a kind of unique twist is the player in the back of the pack gets to go next. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's almost like you're playing a game of Leapfrog. Yeah. Where whoever's in the back has to make the next move, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it has a bit of strategy involved. You can block players because there's only so many so much room at the bank uh-huh. to get some money withdrawn for that day. So you're like, oh, I really need to go to the <laughs> bank. But, but at the same time, I want to finish my picture of the rice patty. <laughs> yeah. But for the most part, the game's not, it's not super competitive or... Um... It's not as much of an in-your-face competition. Yeah. It's more, I'm sorry, but I need to go here too. Yeah, but I mean, the, the game is more about, you know, you're more playing your own strategies. You know, we probably play more against one another than I think mm-hmm. the game's really set up to be. But for the most part, it's not a super combative game. So it's it's a little bit more easy to ease into. Yeah. And like I said, the theme is nice. You're just having a vacation. Yeah, exactly. The other thing that I like about... You're not about... fighting or anything like that. 
The other thing I like about Takedo, and I forget to mention this for Ticket Ride as well, is that you don't necessarily know who's won until the end of the game. Because yeah. there's hidden cards that you'll pull up at the very end to count additional points. So just because someone has pulled way ahead doesn't mean that you're out of the game. Uh -huh. You could get lucky and then pull all these extra cards at the very end. And like, oh, look, it! I met the most travelers and had the most expensive food. So I get these extra points and uh -huh. now I win. You yeah. Know? So it's, it's one of those ones that I think is good where it's literally don't count your chickens before they've all hatched. Mm -hmm. Because you, you could still pull this off yeah. if you get just the right combination going. And the last one to talk about, which is a very combative game. Yes is Munchkin. <laughs> Munchkin is strictly a card game. Mm -hmm. There are a few that have boards with them, but they're just to be number counters. Yeah, to... but that's very helpful. It is very helpful. I used to have to do it where I just had a bunch of pennies yeah. to keep track of levels. And some people, there's um, apps out there that will do it for you. Yeah, too. there's free apps. That I yeah. recommend them, honestly. But... Yeah, but the board's very nice to yeah. have. Um, so in this game, players are going through uh, a dungeon very much on the D&D style, filled with monsters, curses, and treasure everywhere. And while you're kicking down various doors to see who's in this room and what can I steal, um, you'll be killing evil critters, and you'll grow in strength. You equip valuable uh, weapons and armor uh, and gain new abilities, even. And it all has a very tongue-in-cheek kind of humor to it. Uh -huh. uh, the base uh, original version has the D&D &D style, but there's all sorts of different themes. Oh, and yeah, the themes are almost endless with Munchkin. There's, there's a Wild an... West theme, yeah. a shark theme. There's a Outer Space theme. There's even a Marvel superhero theme now. Yeah, there's Marvel superheroes. There's steampunk. There's steampunk, ba yeah. Basically everything you can imagine, there's a Munchkin version for, or there's one coming out. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing about it. There's a new one coming out constantly. It's almost like this rule. If you can think of a version that there should be, you need to write to them and let them know. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the thing, you know, we kind of questioned whether or not Munchkin would be on this list or not. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I like about Munchkin is it's fairly easy to explain. Yeah. And also the cards essentially explain what they do. Yeah, they're cute. Like one of the cards that you'll have in the base game I have is the D1 is you can have a broadsword. And it'll say for female use only because it's for broads. Yeah. You and know? it will tell you, okay, it's a one hand. You can have two up to two hands. Or, you know, if it's something that benefits you in battle, it says this gives you a plus three. Yeah. And you can use it in this kind of circumstance. So it really, if you're a new player, you don't have to constantly be asking, well, what do I do with this? What do I do with this? It's right there for you. Yeah. And literally the game is just a numbers game of is six greater than five. Yeah. Yeah. The, the most challenging thing about Munchkin is you have to count. Yeah. That's why we said if you can get apps, like some of the free uh -huh. apps, that might be useful. Or you know what? Just have a piece of paper and a pencil next to you and just True. write down my current strength is 33 so that way i don't have to keep counting, counting that over and over again, again. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that's a good idea we should remember that for next yeah time. really because yeah we have not we, done that <laughs> we are a lot of times ago okay i am a one two yeah. three <laughs> but literally not all of them do but some of them do come with a board and the uh -huh. only purpose of the board because the game is to get from level one to level 10 yeah and so the purpose of the board is just to keep track of what your basic level is uh -huh. before all your bonuses from your weapons and armor and blah 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 mm -hmm. blah blah uh, but still, it's a really fun game. Lots of different themes out there. Worth checking out, I think. Yeah. And it's one of those ones that even if you want to, you can mix genres. So you could have spaceships and cowboys together, uh -huh. you know. Or you could have uh, steampunk and the apocalypse, you know. <laughs> so those are just some ideas of games that you can introduce the newbie in your life to to help kind of get them into the world of gaming. There are those gateway games that lead to a dark path of spending all your money on board games. <laughs> well, okay. But 
this is the point I meant to mention earlier, but I forgot. The thing that I also I think is good about board games is the cost. Because if you're doing like video game systems, a system itself is like 300 bucks. Uh-huh. Each new game is like 60 bucks, you know? Yeah. And then you got to get new controllers yeah. and all the accessories. Well, and that's the thing. A board game, say, you know, board games cost anywhere between 15 to like maybe $40, but that's pretty extreme end. Usually it's around 20 Yeah. Sometimes it'll go up to 50 or 60 but like that's for like the huge, like yeah. everything. Or something very special. Um, but the thing is, like I said, a board game, one, it's a physical thing that you own that doesn't go away way and also it's something that you can play over and over again and it can be different you can have a different experience every time yeah and it's much more portable you can take it with you yeah meanwhile unless you have a portable gaming system like the ps vita Uh which was a failure um you know it's you can't really take it with you you can't take a xbox with you you Uh know but you can take uh you can take munchkin with you Mm -hmm. you can take ticket drag with you you know yeah All right, so we have an all-new game that we would like to talk to you about. Um, we played the uh, party game Manicdotes. So, Greg, what is Manicdotes? Well, Lauren, let me explain this to you. See, it's not kidding. <laughs> uh, Manicdotes is a card game mm-hmm. um, wherein you are trying to tell a story. Yes. And within your story, you have to start it with a certain phrase, and you have to include five key vocabulary words within that story and you have only about two minutes to tell your story yeah and you have you have the card for your starting phrase that you start your story with and you pick a card that shows your five words that you Mm. need to include into your story meanwhile the other players they have these nifty little pads of paper that have the play the lines there for them to try to guess what your five keywords were. So the point of the game is that as I'm making up the story almost on the spot, they only give you about 30 seconds to look at your words and start formulating an idea in your head uh-huh. and then two minutes to tell the story, they have to try to guess what my five words were. And the point of the game is to try to get, as the storyteller, try to get as many of my words without being guessed. Yes. So yeah, as the storyteller, you want to tell your story and not have your five words um, be guessed, but all the other players are trying to guess those five words. And the players will get a point for every word that they do guess correctly. And you get a point, you get points for words that they don't guess. Correct. Yeah. So for example, I have uh, two cards here in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the, I start the story with the following phrase, just chilling around the house. Uh, so whatever my story is going to be, I have to start with that. Uh-huh. And then the words I have to include in my story somehow or another, and not necessarily in this order, is imaginary, hostile, rattle, cancer, and birth. Somehow I have to put those five words into a story that starts with just chilling around the house. <laughs> have fun with that. Yeah. And what's what's interesting about the, the five word um, cards is sometimes the words do have a bit of a theme and sometimes they do not. I never noticed a single thing with any of these well, words. Well, I just, I know, um, so, I mean, we can get into talking about when we played this game. Um, when we played this, there was at least one instance where one of our friends was telling the story and she had a bunch of words like chocolate and blueberry and all these other things. And so she started listing off different kinds of pies. Oh, yeah. And I, when I'm writing, guessing the words, I think, surely she can't have all those different names for pies. She can't have chocolate, blueberry, you know, surely I haven't Stop seen Stop calling any. me Shirley. Yeah. 
I haven't seen any of these cards that have a theme, so it can't be that she got all those words. And sure enough, she did get all those words. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of what threw me in my guessing. Yeah, I actually came when we were playing this with our friends on our last game night. I had to come up with a rule. Guys, there is no spelling bee in your story. You cannot say, here's a list of words I had to spell today. You know, <laughs> yeah. And then just like list those five plus Yeah, others. well, it's also just not a good strategy because no. that's kind of a a clear indication that those are your words. I mean, part of it is based on how good of a storyteller you are, how well you are able to incorporate those words. And then of course we also had rules like, you know, you maybe you can pluralize something, but you can't transform the word. Exactly. And they say that in the game here. Uh-huh. They say like if you want to add a prefix or a suffix to it, you can, but you can't change the word. Yeah. I can't change the word imaginary to imagination. That's changing. Exactly, the word. yeah. But you could say instead of just rattle, you could say rattles. Yes, exactly. As in the sound. Or um, unbirth, I guess. You could, I don't know what a prefix is. about unbirth? Birth. Rebirth? Rebirth. Rebirth, maybe, yeah. Uh, that's kind of changing the word. Yeah, today. I feel like that's changing the word completely. You can argue this with your friends. <laughs> you can You can decide what yeah. counts and does not count. Uh, but yeah, um, overall though, we had pretty good time with it. Yeah, it's definitely a good party game. It, um, it says two to eight players but eight players has a plus you definitely could go up to as many as you wanted yeah because in and then at the end of the round when you're done telling your story people have another second or two to write down their last guesses and then you just read off my words were imaginary mm-hmm. hostile whatever and then people go yes or like darn you know <laughs> and then they count their points and it's something like the first two uh, 20 points total wins uh-huh. and i think the idea of having to formulate a story is somewhat daunting especially something on the spot where you're having to come up with, use these different words. But we really found that like everybody, no one had a problem with it. It, Yeah. Like you say, it seems daunting, but once you're like in the spot on the night, you just do it. Yeah. Oh, we did find that we didn't need the full time to tell our story usually. Oh no. But like there were definite people within our group who I didn't think would be as good as this game. And they actually turned out to be really good at it. And it was really surprising. I was one of them. I was one of them. (laughs) She told me afterwards why I was surprised. (laughs) But you just think, you know, certain, some of your friends might not, you might automatically think, oh, they're not going to be really good at this. Um, But really, when it came to telling a story, um, it didn't seem, it seemed like everyone was able to do it and no one had a problem coming up with something on the spot like that. Yeah. And, of course, they all joke that, you know, it would be interesting the more inebriated they got how the story <laughs> went. <laughs> and it's also something I think would be good to, you know, the age range starts at eight, they suggest. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think could see it as being um, a good game to play with kids as a teaching tool for them to think creatively and use these words properly. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, in fact, uh, I even wrote down a few comments that mm-hmm. some of our friends had made in the night. And one of them uh, even said, like, interesting game. Uh, it could even be good for, like, an English class. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You could bring it into the classroom. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know if she meant, uh, like, a English learning class or just, like, a regular English yeah. class. But, like, still, <laughs> this would be good for, like, storytelling and, like, uh-huh. practicing that skill. Yeah, you know? using those words, coming up with something on the spot. I mean, I would, if I was an English teacher, I would definitely consider using this for like, if we have free time, you know, Mm -hmm. like, hey class, I'm going to read your story. Whoever guesses the words gets candy or something. Yeah. (laughs) Why not? You know? Yeah. Because you definitely have to use close listening and there's definitely strategy involved where you're like, would they come up with that word on their own? Would they think to use that word? Why did they bring up snakes? I don't think she would talk about snakes. So rattle makes me question if rattle is because of the snake or is it the snake and not the rattle? 
you know. We did have one suggestion if you're playing this game. Um, they give you these little sheets of paper for you to write down your guesses on. What we started doing is we actually cut the piece. We kind of put a line down the middle of the pieces of paper. That way we could use them for two rounds. It's Because it's like the little piece of paper you get with Clue. Where yeah. there's only so many in the box. You only I mean, get so many. It's not that the game's done. You can always just get scratch paper if you ever yeah, do one of exactly. those. Yeah, um, exactly. The only other recommendation I would have is it says that whoever gets to the most points after a certain time or 25 points wins. But there's no point tracker. Mm-hmm. So what we did is just on the first piece of paper you get, we started scratching. You just start tally marking it. Yeah, we started tally marking it. And really, it's one of those games um, that you know you can do as many rounds as you feel like, and then okay, who has the most points after this many exactly. rounds? It's very flexible. I feel. Yeah, and I mean for the small problems this game does have, the fun that you get out of it is more than makes up for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? So for def- sure. definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's definitely something to add to your party game mix. So once again, um, that is manic dose. Yeah, manic dose and. You can find them, um, Manecdotes the Game, on social media, manecdotesthegame.com, um, and you can purchase it on Amazon. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's about, um, it runs about $20 on Amazon. Not and a bad. it's available on you Prime. You know what? For so. how much you, enjoyment you can get out of this, that's not a bad price. Yeah, and it's available on Prime, so free shipping, two days you can have it. There you go. Okay, it's time for our escape room report. So we recently had the opportunity to do some escape rooms that we'd been waiting for a long time to do with a company that's really the gold standard in escape companies. Um, and that is The Basement in Los Angeles. It was a really, really great time. Uh-huh. You guys took me there as a surprise for my birthday. Yeah, yeah. They, we... You were like, in Mean Girls, like, get in the car, we're going shopping. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we've been wanting to do this one for a while. The thing with The Basement, at least, okay, so The Basement, they have... The company is called The Basement LA, Mm -hmm. and they actually have three different escape rooms that you can do. One is their kind of original one, and that is just called The Basement. Yeah. Then they also have um, The Boiler Room and The Study. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've been wanting to do these rooms for a long time, but their primary, most popular one, The Basement, it requires, I think it goes up to 12 people. Does it go that high? Yeah. Oh, geez. And so, and they do pair you with strangers, which is very... um, Typical for escape rooms. Some escape rooms, they do pair you with random people, strangers. Some don't. Yeah. So it really, as we talk more about these in the future, we'll mention if it does or not. Uh-huh. But this one does. If you have a small group and if other people want to play at that time, they would just say, yeah, we got room. Yeah, exactly. It's Most escape rooms do online booking. So you book out so many spots for your group. And then if there's still more spots, other people can book out those as well. And the thing with the Basement LA is this is a very popular escape room. So there is a good chance that you will be paired with strangers. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, but there is a good chance. So you need to be aware of that. Exactly, yeah. So be friendly. Make, make conversations. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of one of the reasons we hadn't done it yet because it's a little bit far. And then also we knew we wanted to go in with a really big group. Um, so we finally, for Greg's birthday, got that group together. It was a good time. Um, so I definitely think the basement lives up to his hype. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was, I don't want to get, we're trying not to do spoilers. Yeah, we're not going to give any spoilers. I will say this, the themes it's pulling off of you've been kidnapped and you are now being put in some creepy guy's basement. Mm-hmm. From moment one, you're like, I've been kidnapped. Yeah. I, I do not feel like this is like a safe place. Uh, you know, like, you know what's safe, you know, of course. Yeah, yeah. But you're like, this is bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely scary. Um, it's difficult and it's 
big. It's a big room. It's a big room. Yeah, there, it's big. There's a lot to do. There's a lot of challenges mm-hmm. within the room. As and well. it's dark. Yes, it's very was a, dark. We took... The thing that normally most escape rooms go an hour. This one, for some reason, is 45 minutes. Yeah, that's another thing that's different we about that. We took half an hour to find the flashlight. Yeah, we took a long time to find the flashlight. I mean, we and were doing stuff in the meantime. Don't you know, think we're yeah, complete. Yeah, what's interesting about this one, this was a first for us, is um, usually you, they either, um, a lot of escape rooms will have you um, put your personal belongings, like your cell phone and your purses and stuff, in like a locker and you keep the key. Yeah. They all have different themes of it. Sometimes they put it in a box and it's in the room with you, but you're not really supposed to touch it. This one, they even had us take off our Fitbits because they literally were like, we don't want any extra light in this room. And they actually said, if you like try to have any kind of extra light, instant disqualification. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Hey, guy, I'm bioluminescent. <laughs> I create my own light like jellyfish. I'm wearing a, a light-up t-shirt. Um. I feel prejudiced against. <laughs> um. So... You know, because this room is so big, you really have to rely on your team and communication is key. That's why I was saying, if you are going to be paired with strangers, mm-hmm. take the time before you start the game to have everybody learn everybody else's name. Because it's really hard to say, hey, um, red shirt, uh, Gary, sorry, Gary, Gary, <laughs> what's this? You know, but if it goes, Gary, look at this, you know. Yeah, yeah. And just, you know, even if you're paired with strangers, kind of, you know, we always do this thing when we're in escape rooms. Where as one of us finds something, we call it out. And we you know, usually will kind of split off into different sections. Mm-hmm. And I need to trust that if Greg is looking through the dresser table, that Greg is tearing that dresser table apart and looking through it well. That way I don't have to second guess him. And I know, you know, I don't have to go, oh, who looked at the dresser? You yeah. know, I know it's kind of been taken and care of. It really helps if you're in the room and it's kind of exciting too. If you're looking over here something you hear, I found it. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, what'd you find? And then everyone comes to you. And then uh-huh. they're like, oh, it's a it's a combination written down on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Maybe that goes to the safe. You yeah, know? exactly. The thing about the basement that is very different, and actually all of the rooms at the basement LA, is that they don't give you that full hour. And that was definitely different than any escape room we've ever done. We've mm-hmm. never done one that didn't give us a full hour. Um, the basement itself... I kind of wish they gave you a full hour. I think there's a lot to do. Yeah, we failed the basement, but I feel like if we had five more minutes. Well, we failed. We actually played the basement twice. We failed. Well, it the I'm first talking about time. the first time when we went. Yeah, we birthday. failed it the first time. Um, we went back and we did succeed, and actually with a smaller group. Um, but it was uh, all a thing of communication. That's kind of the other thing. You know, we we don't like to be paired with strangers. But it's not the worst thing that can happen. So that's the thing with escape rooms. I kind of tell people, you know, there is a chance you'll be paired with strangers. It's not the worst thing that can happen. Well, I think the problem with the basement being paired with strangers is because it is such a big room. Uh And not to give away anything, but there are different... There's miniature rooms inside the room. Yeah. There's walls separating you. So it's not one big room. It's a bunch of little rooms together Uh uh, with one big room on the side. But when you're in one of the other rooms, you were completely... Uh, essentially cut off from the rest of the team. So when I'm coming back into the main room, I don't know what's been done. I don't know what needs to be done uh-huh. still. You know. Yeah. So like you said, the whole uh, me tearing the dresser apart, if you were in the back room doing whatever, whatever, uh-huh. and you come back and I'm not working the dress anymore, you might start working in the dresser not knowing that I just went yeah, through Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, we, we kind of discovered at one point that we had some red herrings essentially and not everybody realized it was a red herring. So someone would be like, oh, well, but what about this? And it's like, oh, no ignore that it's a red herring we've already established that you know kind of thing you have people working on stuff that they may have already been solved 
or pieces that, oh, we've already used that piece to do something, so it's not going to do anything else. Exactly. So and when it. seconds count, you can't be wasting time. Yeah, like when you only have 45 minutes, you know, that, that clock is ticking pretty fast. Yeah. But then on the alternative side, you know, we were also paired with strangers um, when we did their other room, the study, which is also another one that goes up to a lot of players. Yeah. And that actually turned out to be a really great experience. And we really worked well with those They did strangers. a lot of unique things in there, too. Yes, that was that's definitely um, a unique room. I would say they really pushed the idea of what an escape room is. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I really that room, it's also very scary. Um, what <laughs> yes. Yes. Very scary. You know what? You know what it was. But a different about, kind of scary. I you know what it was like. about that room? Mm-hmm. It was the lighting. Yeah. Because okay, the basement's dark, but it's pretty much dark all the time. But this one, the lighting changes. Like the lights will flicker sometimes. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes they go completely out for a minute. That's what did it for that. Yeah. Room, yeah, and it has a more. The basement is very. It is a scary um, murderer who's kidnapped you. And I should say that these. Rooms all have a linking story. Yeah, the basement is chapter one, boiler room is chapter two, and study is chapter three. Yes, exactly. And what it is is you're making your way through the serial killer's house, essentially. Not that you need to do them in a specific order, by the no. way. It doesn't influence yeah. how the actual room runs. Yeah, and the, and they're all different um, amounts of people who can do them, so that can also influence I think the boiler was you. only four, wasn't the it? The boiler is only four, and we'll talk about the boiler. Um, but the thing about the basement is it's... It's a serial killer after you. The study feels very haunted to me. That felt like the haunted mansion. Yeah, it was. But it like has with a different, 70s vibe. Yeah, it has a different kind of scary aspect exactly. to it. Yes. Um, but the other thing that I really loved about the study, and I think you did as well, we've been in escape rooms before where they split your group up in some way or form. Yeah. There's a really great one in Anaheim that I'm sure we'll talk about at some point where you're each in different rooms trying to come together. But this one, it separated us in the beginning where they actually had Greg and one other guy who was also a birthday boy. They, we volunteered them, and they had to go in, like, the separate room. But then after, even after we had come back together as a group, at another point in the game, someone is separated from the group. And mm-hmm. it's not – you don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like, stand over here. Just trust me on this. Oh, now you're separated. Yeah, <laughs> and so it's like I've never seen an escape room do that before, and it was definitely – really cool and then what's sad is that then we can see him on this tv and we're like there's something behind you <laughs> and that's the other thing so the other thing that we've never and i think it's common in escape rooms but we've never encountered it in the ones we've done is the basement employs actors in two of their rooms mm-hmm. um they don't in the boiler room for a very specific reason that room is very small there, okay <laughs> there's that no room, room is the size of a good broom closet that's yeah i believe room. i read somewhere it's a five by five yeah, that sounds it's, right. It's very tiny. So when they say four people, literally four adults is about all that room can take. Yeah. Yeah, and I would hate to be in there with anyone too, too large because that would get tight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so they employ actors. What did you think of the use of the actors? I liked them a lot. They did a great job. What was interesting is because we did the basement twice. You know, uh-huh. we, we, we beat the study. Yeah, we beat the study. On um, on my birthday. So it was like no part, no point really going back to do it again. Uh-huh. But then we went to the boiler room the second time we yeah. went back. But the two times we did the basement, we had a male actor for the first one and then a female actor doing the same role on the different one. But the way that the... I don't know if it's just because of like gender choices of like a male versus a female, but like the way that they were... The same character, yet so starkly different. Yeah, they played it. They both played the same character very differently. She was more scared 
victim. She was scared victim that's maybe been hurt a little bit physically. Uh-huh. And I just am terrified I want to go home. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other guy, he seemed to be gone mentally. Like, I've been hurt and tortured so much. Yeah. I've almost regressed to a child state. Uh-huh. You know? And I don't know. Maybe that's how the males are supposed to be. Or maybe that's just that individual actor's choice to I'm going to be, uh-huh. you know, like so far gone mentally that like I'm like this now, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, it was definitely fun. Like, I mean, I really the first guy was amazing. Not to say that the girl wasn't, but he was really fun. Yeah, he, he we, he's sitting down on the floor at one point. I offered to help him up because yeah. I'm a nice guy. And he grabs my hands. And then as I'm trying to pull him up, I accidentally slide. Him, he goes, wee! And he goes across <laughs> the room. And like, I think at one point he untied our friend Chris's shoes. And, yeah. And I kept going, Greg, go talk to him. Maybe he can help. Like, <laughs> like communicate to him. Because <laughs> I'm, like, of that kind of Yeah, oh, no. you know, I felt like you could get on his level. And Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other room we did is the boiler room, which is the one that's only a four-person room. And it yeah. doesn't have an actor in it. Yeah. Um, There's no room for an actor. There is no room for an actor. Now, once again, this room completely changed my ideas of what an escape room is. Yes. Because it it kept almost unfolding itself to us, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like a small thing, but then you realize, oh, there's another thing over here. And there's another, like, little space over here. Yeah, but like, it's still all very small and yeah. very contained, which we've never had a room that small and that contained. Um, it's very linear. Yes. But that works well because of such a small space. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't linear, I think it would become very difficult. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to give away spoilers, but there is one point that I have to talk about. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're in this little room, there's a there's three holes in the wall that says stick your hands in here and your head through here. And then we were all like, you stick your head in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a serial killer's boiler room. I'm not sticking my head in the guillotine. Thank you very much. It doesn't look like a guillotine, but it's still like, put your head here. I'm like, yeah. Mm, no. Yeah, but it's just amazing that it's such an intimate, small space, but yet you still get that full escape room experience. Yeah. And it really, you know, it's one that, you really have to rely on one another, and I think it'd be it'd be an odd one to play with strangers, just because for us and our friends, it you have to be very comfortable. With that yeah, person. exactly. Like we're very comfortable with our friends, so being in such close quarters and having to scoot by each other and everything, like we worked it out well. But if yeah. you were a large a, a group of people who didn't essentially know each imagine other, being trapped in uh, an ele- an elevator space. Yeah, exactly. It's very similar. But like not even a full elevator. Yeah, like, Not like a elevator. hospital elevator. I'm talking, talking about like a small apartment. We're talking a apartment. European yeah. elevator. Imagine me trapped in like a small elevator. A yeah. small elevator with four people for, oh, uh-huh. what was it, 30 minutes? Yeah, that one's really short. That one's like 35 minutes, I think. But but still. Yeah. Um, and that one's actually going away soon. In fact, by the time this airs, um, that one might already be gone, unfortunately. Wah, wah. But that also means that they're going to have something else. And that's going to be great, I'm sure. Hooray! Yeah. Um, the other thing I like about the basement in LA in general is I felt like there was a lot of puzzles there that was that mix of interactive and action puzzles where you're actually doing something rather than just relying on the old padlocks or typing in a combination. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also like the basement really challenges you in your comfort level there's a lot of things that you have to do that seem scary and you just have to be brave. Oh, yeah. They're there's... not going to get hurt. You know, you know, you know that, but it definitely pushes your, um, mentally on yeah. it, it, This is scary. I don't know if I want to do that. There'll be, there'll be some kind of an effect. Like uh-huh. I'm making up something now, so I don't spoil it, but there'll be something like, 
oh, I have to put my hand into these spider webs, and I don't want the spiders to get me. You know there's not really spiders. But, but oh, but what but if But try telling your brain that. Try yeah. telling your brain, like, there's no spiders, there's no spiders, yeah. there's no spiders. Or, like, you know, once again, this is something I'm making up. This doesn't actually happen. But you need to put your hand into something really hot. And you oh, know they're, oh, they're the, not the, going to... The, quote, boiling water. Yeah, you're not going to... You know you're not going to burn yourself, but you, you know, that surface is like... Ooh, it's hot. I don't know. You know, yeah, like yeah. it's it's all kind of playing with you. Um, but it definitely like all of the rooms kind of have that whole aspect of, you know, it's not just entering something. There's you actually have to physically interact with the room, which is always a sign of a good escape room. Oh yeah. And then uh, the other thing I think is a sign of a good escape room is you're solving puzzles, getting the clue for the next puzzle and a clue for a bigger puzzle later on. Uh-huh. Because we had to uh, collect these individual pieces uh-huh. that later built to a bigger puzzle. Uh-huh, yeah. But like the the other problem with it though is that we didn't know how many pieces are there. True, yeah. You know, so we're like, is it done? Can we do this now? No, I think we still need to find yeah, more. Yeah, well, and aside from the boiler room, which like I said, it's linear, but it's linear because of its size. Yeah. And it makes sense. The other rooms are not as linear, and that's a good thing because if you have so many people working on something, you don't want something linear because then literally you can only work on one thing at a time. Yeah. So the basement the basement and the study, those all kind of go with the non-linear people working on different things at different times. I and definitely would agree. Definitely, yeah. once again, working together on these things. Yeah, so if you do, check out any escape rooms, by the way, which is a great way to have a game night. For sure. And we're going to include this as a regular segment. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we are escape room addicts. Yeah, like, so. we will be talking about these every episode. But we highly recommend checking out escape rooms. Yeah. See this one locally near you. Do a little bit of research first. Sometimes. Yeah, for sure do research. Um, I would recommend the really good place to find out about escape rooms near you is um, a website called escapeauthority.com. Mm-hmm. Um, they Not only do they have a map that's constantly updating with rooms near you, they also do reviews, and they also have user reviews. So one of the things is the guys who run that site, they are located in Florida and California. So obviously a lot of the rooms they do are on those coasts. Yeah. But what about everyone in the middle? Well, everyone in the middle, you know, you can rely on user reviews to help you decide which game. And you those are do. pretty trustworthy, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. I think most of the people who are on that site are, you know, people who really love escape rooms and they're going to steer you in the right direction. Yeah. So find one that's near you that you think has an interesting thing that you'd like to try. Maybe do a little bit of research, even just Yelp it. Yeah, you know, one of the things I like to do is I always like to look on their website and I kind of, I like ones where they show at least one picture of the of so something in idea. the room to get an idea of the production value because definitely not all rooms are created equal. Oh, no. I mean, not that you need a great set piece, but let me tell you, it helps. It helps you bring into the fantasy. Exactly, yeah. I mean, the reason I love escape rooms is because I feel like I'm living in an actual video game. Yeah, and that's kind of what it is. You're right. It's a video game. It's a separate world in which the rules are defined to you. Uh Uh-huh. There's no way someone would put all these parts of a key everywhere just to remember what the combination was to their lock. But, you know, it's fun. Come on. Yeah. And I mean, the the thing, like, it really, not only just we, I mean, we're not going to just talk about board games here. We're going to talk about everything with gaming and social, it's a great way to work with your friends and do team building. I mean, a lot of places now do it with their offices to build teams, you know, amongst your coworkers. Can you imagine the office in an escape room? <laughs> oh, that would be the best. Michael ever. Scott's try all the combinations. Yeah. Um, but also like it's, 
you know, you're actually physically interacting with these things mm -hmm. and it pushes some of your limits on what you're scared of. Um, you know, I now know that I will push my hand into something really gross in order to get a key. Like, and I know I, that about myself And now. I know that spiders scare me. Yeah. Or, Even fake ones. Or you know that if the opportunity comes and a small, tiny, dark crawl space opens, you will go through that crawl space. Oh, I charge through yeah. crawl, small, tiny crawl spaces. <laughs> I got no claustrophobia. Or, you know, if a trap door opens, I will jump into it. Yeah. You know, like, we've done that before. We've had to jump down into things. We and... will die so quickly if an actual horror situation uh, starts to happen. Because we will voluntarily, what's that, a small hole opened up all of a sudden? I'll jump in. Let's find out. <laughs> so... Once again, check out the basement in LA if you're in the area, because mm. it's definitely, you know, it's um, Escape Authority, that website we talked about, they do a keying system, and I believe it is out of five. five keys, and this one actually got six. Oh. And the reason they did that is because they said, you know, we considered it giving it five, but if we gave it five, we would have to go back and lower the number else. of everybody else. So they were like, no, this one has to be. I did up. not know that. Yeah. That's crazy. There's only a few that have. Yeah, there's only a few that have done it, and this is one of them. And also, I should mention, they also have a second location in Las Vegas. Oh, they do? Yes. Okay. So definitely check out the basement in LA. That's great. So, Lauren, we've talked a lot about uh, different games that mm -hmm. are good for newbies right now. But let's kind of go into just open it up to the entire wide world of games. Uh, what right now would you say is the one that's most on your mind? What's the one that you're kind of obsessing over right now? Right now, one of my favorite games for us to play is Galaxy Trucker. <laughs> that's a fun one, yeah. And that's a game that you have. Um, and it's one that we've we've actually played a lot, just the two of us. Mm -hmm. um, it, it goes up, I don't know how many players it goes up to. I believe four. Yeah, and we've played it with other people. Um, one of the things that we find challenging about this game is there's um, a time aspect to it. You're being timed to do certain actions within a set amount of time. Mm -hmm. And some of our friends, that kind of turns them off and it, they find it difficult. Yeah. So you and I end up playing it a lot, just us two. Um, but basically what this game is, you are first trying to construct a spaceship to haul... Um, out of spare parts. Out of spare parts to haul um, people and um, cargo. Mm -hmm. and you're going on a long space journey and you you build ships a couple different times throughout the game because you build larger ships as the game goes on um and then you basically go on this journey and you run into you know space bandits and you run into cargo floating you run into planets you run into comets that are trying to break up your ship which is the part i hate the most because i put a lot of pride into building my ship <laughs> but that comment just goes yes <laughs> the best part is too it could destroy a connector uh -huh. ship, and then if nothing else connecting it that part just drifts away and out of space yeah or you know or it leaves open parts and space dust gets in there and, and then destroys like you even more yeah. yeah um so i have to say though that my favorite part of the game is building the ships like i it's, said it's fun i take a lot of pride in my little ship and i get very sad when anything happens to my ship and <laughs> it's it's a very competitive game because essentially you have a big pile of tokens in front uh -huh. of you in front of everybody and everyone is just desperately grabbing a piece at a time going, can I fit this on the yeah, ship? Can I put on my ship? When you no, start out, you're, you're flipping them over. So you're blindly kind of going through these mm -hmm. pieces to get just right. And you, you know, you have your own strategy where you're like, okay, I want, you know, rocket boosters here and I want lasers to shoot stuff out of space here, but I need room for cargo and I need room and, for people. And you have to find the right connectors to make sure right it all matches up yeah. correctly. And so there'll be so many times where you need that triple rocket in the back uh -huh. to boost your ship. But like, 
Greg took it. No. Yeah. So it's kind of like this race against time, against resources, and against your own um, kind of strategy. So mm-hmm. it, that's where I think, it, like I, we said, it kind of some of our friends don't like it as much just because of that kind of. It's the a pressure. very high pressure game. Yeah. Whereas you and I really like it, and we get really competitive over billionaire ships. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and we, you know, we have our own little strategy and stuff, and we aren't too mean to each other about it. No, but those asteroids really mess us up. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty good. So how about you, Greg? What, what's on your mind right now game-wise? Um, I actually, we played this game only once mm-hmm. when we were doing the uh, latest uh, tabletop day over at uh-huh. SGC Comics and Games. And ever since then, it's really been on my mind, and it's called Clank. Oh, yes. And that, that one, it was interesting because we, they had some demo games, yeah. and we took some games, but this was actually a game that um, somebody else who was there for tabletop this is a game that to. a stranger brought uh-huh. he said hey do you want to check out this game and we said yeah yeah and he was actually playing another game with us and we finished that up and he said well hey i brought this i just got it I've been and it just goes to, to show it. that the gaming community it's a very open welcoming and uh-huh. accepting community yeah and i mean the other thing about that day in particular that sticks out to me is we played with a bunch of different strangers that we didn't know mm-hmm. but also we played with we played with a really young kid he yeah. was like I don't know, in high school, I would say. I'd say 14, But, you know, yeah. we're 30-year-old adults. Like, yeah. And, you know, we had a good time with him, and he was cool to hang out with and yeah, stuff. Exactly. So it definitely brings people together. Yeah. But Clank is, um, you are explorers descending into a subterranean dungeon, almost, trying to get an artifact and then get out mm-hmm. as quickly as you can. But as you're going along, you accidentally may make noise, and that can wake up a dragon that can then hurt you. Uh-huh. you know? So what's cool about it is it's actually what's called a deck building game. Mm-hmm. At least everyone starts off with the same basic cards. But then as you pull different cards to either buy resources or buy new cards that are better, you keep shuffling those into your game. And then you keep pulling more ones, you know, uh, more cards. The only thing that's weird about this game that I've never seen before is that whenever you draw cards for your new turn, you have to play every card. So if you get a whole bunch of clanks that make noise, you have to play those. (laughs) Otherwise, you know, Uh it doesn't work out. So it's interesting how, yeah, you keep drawing cards, but then you have to play your entire hand. There's no holding on to a card for later. It's, I have to use this now. I didn't need to Uh move three spaces, but apparently I have to move three spaces. So really adjust your strategy for, you're thinking I want to go here, but oh, I can't because I didn't get this this one card that I, or type of card I would have needed uh-huh. to get past there. So now I have to readjust because I have to move, <laughs> but I can't go that way. Yeah. And the, the clank's interesting how it hits too, because you're putting pieces into this bag. And, and then you just pull those pieces out pull, again randomly. you pull pieces out randomly. So you could have put a bunch in, but you could just get lucky and not yeah. have your pieces Oh, that out. happened to me once. Once I put three clanks into the bag at once, which is like uh-huh. really bad. Yeah. And then we had to pull to see the dra- dragon wakes up and like attack somebody. And then that poor young kid, he got attacked twice <laughs> because I made noise. Uh-huh. You know, So yeah. it's kind of like, you jerk. You know. <laughs> but it's a fun game. Definitely competitive. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as high pressure. As Galaxy Trucker, but definitely worth checking out. Yeah, and it also has a couple different. Um, I believe it has an expansion where you're underwater or something. Yeah, I heard now. about that. And then also yeah. it has a double sided board. So yeah. once you get done with one side of the board, and if you play that lot and you feel like I kind of messed it, flip it over. You got mm-hmm. a new game. Yeah, so it's like you've got two games for your money. Yeah. 
Okay, well, I think that's going to do it for our first episode of Friday's Game Night. We did it. <laughs> uh, we hope you enjoyed our first ever episode. Um, if you want to continue the conversation, please join our Facebook group, Friday's Game Night, or follow us on social media at Game Friday on Instagram and Twitter. You can also email us at Friday's Game Night. And be sure to check out our other podcast, Movie Date Night, which can be found wherever you prefer to listen to your podcast. Just keep in mind this one's not safe for the kitties. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.